Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Malvosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of November 10. In the news. This week marks the third anniversary of the end of the 2020 Artsakh War. Azerbaijan holds a military parade in ethnically cleansed Stepanagert. And Vakif Khachadaryan, a resident of Artsakh who was arrested by Azerbaijan, is sentenced to 15 years in prison. This week marked the third anniversary of the end of the 2020 Artsakh War. In the late hours of November 9 in 2020, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigor Pashinyan announced that he had signed a ceasefire agreement with Azerbaijan, mediated by the Russian side, bringing an end to the 44 days of war. It was a catastrophic defeat for Armenia, which saw the loss of seven territories around Nagorno-Karabakh, the loss of Shushi and Hadrut, over 4,000 killed and more than 11,000 wounded. In celebration of their victory, on November 8, Azerbaijan held a military parade in ethnically cleansed Stepanagert and also one in Baku. Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Aliyev, along with his wife, who, by the way, is uh, vice president of Azerbaijan and his son, was present at the parade in Stepanagert. During the parade, Aliyev stated that Azerbaijan now has full control over all of its territories and that separatism has no place in Azerbaijan anymore. A day earlier, Aliyev visited a number of places in Nagorno-Karabakh with his family, including Shushi. On November 7, Azerbaijan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs issued a statement on the occasion of the victory of the 2020 Nagorno-Karabakh War. The statement read, After the termination of the existence of the Armenian Armed Forces and the separatist regime created by Armenia in the territories of Azerbaijan, there are opportunities to establish peace and stability in the region. The statement noted that Armenia still chooses the path of obstructing the peace treaty negotiations by continuing military political provocations and the threat of land minds, Armenia is hindering the peace process, endangering the lives of Azerbaijani citizens. In addition, Armenia has not yet handed over eight villages to Azerbaijan, which are still occupied. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. Azerbaijan continues to be provocative, continues to want to impose uh, a victor's peace. I don't know what else it is that they want, but interestingly, Rubina, there is very little commentary in Armenia from Armenian officials or um, anyone really anyone about government or mm-hmm. opposition even sometimes media we we published a, a special piece that we've been working on about the mercenaries that were used but again I think because none of, and reading these paragraphs right now it's absurd I don't think we've understood mm-hmm. and because you know we went from the uh, Azerbaijan demanding a corridor to now this new narrative of eight villages I think we're just in the midst of it still, even though we say three years, but it's, it's two months since Azerbaijan's ethnic cleansing of Artsakh. Mm-hmm. I think we're still in the midst of it, so... Uh, it's not being processed. But It's I mean, not being processed fully, and just reading these, these like announcements and mm-hmm. uh, seeing the uh, parade in a city that has no one. I know. So uh, you do a military parade in a ghost city. How absurd this mm-hmm. is, you know? I think, yes, processing will take... I don't know if we've processed it. No, indeed, we haven't. And the only thing was that during the government session on November 9, Prime Minister and the ministers, um, you know, one minute of silence to honor the dead. Uh, but that was... Uh, that was extensive, and I think there was also, um, you know, prayer of the souls at Yerapulur, the military cemetery. But yeah, overall, it's just, you're right, we're still in the process of processing.
Well, today, Prime Minister Nigel Pashinyan is on a working visit to France. Pashinyan will participate in the 6th Paris Peace Forum. The forum hosts discussions about pressing global challenges such as climate change, world peace, and digital security. This year, Pashinyan is among the speakers who also include uh, the French President Emmanuel Macron, the President of the European Council, Charles Michel, as well as other world leaders and officials. Pashinyan and Georgia's Prime Minister Irakli Garibashvili will um, have a panel discussion. Actually, by the time we post this um, podcast, uh, the panel discussion will have taken place. It's called Crafting Peace in the Caucasus. And while in France, uh, while in Paris, French President Emmanuel Macron welcomed Pashinyan at the Elysee Palace. During that meeting, Macron offered his condolences following the death of Christian Der Stepanian, who was Armenia's permanent representative to UNESCO. The normalization of Armenia-Azerbaijan relations and the issues concerning the forcibly displaced people from Nagorno-Karabakh were among the issues discussed. The leaders also addressed the deepening of Armenia-France cooperation and expressed a commitment to regional peace and stability. Well, Foreign Minister Arad Mirzoyan is also in France. Yesterday, he participated in the 42nd session of the UNESCO General Conference. In his speech, Mirzoyan addressed the dire situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. Well, they're really is no situation left in Karabakh, if you look at it from that perspective, emphasizing the humanitarian crisis and displacement of the people of Artsakh. He stressed the importance of protecting cultural heritage in the region. Mirzoyan reaffirmed Armenia's support for UNESCO's efforts in promoting peace and human rights. This year, Azerbaijan was elected as the vice president of UNESCO's general conference. Well, there, Mirzoyan met with the Director General of UNESCO. The sites touched upon the issues of preserving Armenian cultural heritage in Nagorno-Karabakh. Mirzoyan expressed concern about the serious risks of their destruction, stressing the need for the active involvement of UNESCO in protecting cultural monuments. He expressed appreciation for the rapid deployment of UNESCO's emergency mission to Armenia for the assessment of the educational needs of refugee children. Aykhan Hajizadeh, the press secretary of Azerbaijan's foreign ministry, responded to Mirzoyan's statements. It's funny how they're so quick to respond to everything that Armenia says, noting that Armenia is continuing the, quote, false rhetoric and slanderous campaign against Azerbaijan from various international platforms and undermines the prospects of a peace treaty. He added that historical and religious monuments located in the sovereign territories of Azerbaijan are the national cultural heritage of Azerbaijan and are protected regardless of their origin, secular or religious affiliation. Yes, of course, and everyone believes it, and no one's seen Azerbaijan act otherwise, of course. course So, uh, yeah, I don't know what Mirzoyan was doing at UNESCO. (laughs) Anyway... On November 8, during a G7 foreign ministerial meeting held in Japan, the ministers issued a statement which also touched upon the Azerbaijani attack on Artsakh and its subsequent humanitarian consequences. The statement noted their grave concern over the humanitarian consequences of the displacement of Armenians from Nagorno-Karabakh. We urge, uh, this is the statement, we urge Azerbaijan to fully comply with its obligations under international humanitarian law and welcome international efforts to address urgent humanitarian needs for those who have been displaced. We underline our support for advancing a sustainable and lasting peace between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And again, it goes on to say about, you know, the principles of non-use of force, respect for sovereignty, the inviolability of borders and territorial integrity. Armenia's Foreign Minister Art Mirzian welcomed this G7 statement, underlining that strong international steps and clear public commitments by all involved parties are paramount for
for normalization between Armenia and Azerbaijan in line with the Grenada statement. Mirzoyan went on to say that these steps and commitments are also essential to address the needs of the forcibly displaced from Artsakh. On November 7, uh, Baku's military court sentenced Vakiv Khachadaryan to 15 years in prison. Khachadaryan was convicted of uh, fabricated war crimes, that is, of killing 25 people in the village of Meshali in the early 1990s and causing um, alleged damage of 5.5 million manats to those living there. The 68-year-old was abducted on July 29 from the illegally installed checkpoint at the Hakari Bridge while he was being transported to Armenia by the International Committee for the Red Cross for heart surgery. You know, Maria, I was reading the translation of Rafi Kasavjian's Fortress Armenia piece into Armenia, and there's this line that we're still going to witness the full scale of what has happened to Armenia, this historic, unfortunate uh, moment in history. And it's just like stuck in my head. And yes, we're going to read about other uh, sentences mm-hmm. with regards to all the officials they are that Baku is keeping. And this is going to mm-hmm. keep on coming. And yes, we not only haven't processed everything, we still have so much to process. Right. And and so it's like th- this continual, you know, one wave after another. Um, because yes, the military parade was the awful to see, but also Vakif's photos that are uh, yeah, like crying and, 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 yeah. and, and are still kind of they're publishing this kind of unfairness of how they uh, like a cat with a mouse playing with a human mm-hmm. destiny, and in face of international humanitarian law, you know, in this well, complete disregard <laughs> and uh, despite of, of you know, but. It's always about the enforcement mechanisms of any of these legal instruments that seemingly don't exist. Armenia's human rights defender, Anahit Manasyan, responded to this verdict uh, regarding Khachaterian, who was abducted and sentenced without observing, as I said, international legal standards and guarantees related to human rights using international rights organizations, urging international human rights organizations to respond to it immediately. Armenia's foreign ministry spokesperson also called it a mock trial, stressing that this goes against against any norms, including international humanitarian law. But, you know, we also, on the other hand, we know what's happening in the world right now. That's right. And this is such a... Un- Underreported, unseen. You know, sometimes we'll hear statements and sometimes people will remember, but. But it's also kind of like this place in uh, right now in the media landscape where, of course, after Palestine and what's happening there, of course, like, you know, Ukraine war is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. You know, who is going to think about Vakif, really? Yeah. On November 10, uh, Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Aliyev, met with Iranian president, Ibrahim Raisi, in Tashkent. Uh, this is in Uzbekistan. Aliyev said that since the 2020 Karabakh war, Armenia has continued to refuse to fulfill its obligations and secure a road to its exclave, Nakhichevan. Iran has announced the beginning of the construction of bridges over the Arax River in the Arbent region. These are roads uh, that will connect Azerbaijan to Nakhichevan through Iran's territory. During the conversation, issues of cooperation in the energy sector were also discussed between Iran and Azerbaijan and the importance of the 3 plus 3 regional and, format. And Iran is giving them, you know, they have the road. Now they want eight villages from Armenia. <laughs> On November 8, the Secretary of uh, the Security Council of Russia, Nikolai uh, Patrushev, at the meeting of the secretaries of the CIS Security Council, stated that the Armenian-Azerbaijani settlement is possible only if non-regional countries do not interfere. 
According to him, Russia is taking consistent steps for Yerevan and Baku to sign a peace treaty, to demarcate borders, and to open transport communications. He added that all prerequisites are ready for signing a peace treaty. Armen Grigorian, the secretary of the Security Council of Armenia, did not participate in the meeting in Moscow. The reason for not attending was not re- reported. Armenia was represented at the meeting by Ambassador to Russia, Varasha Karutsunyan. Today, during the Armenia-Europe conference uh, held in Brussels, uh, Armen Grigorian, Security Council secretary, emphasized that Armenia is ready to continue uh, negotiations and sign a peace treaty. Uh, he said, quote, we are ready for peace and we want 29,800 square kilometers of Armenia to be publicly acknowledged. Deep blockade should take place on the basis of four principles, sovereignty, jurisdiction, reciprocity, and equality. He added that there is intensive dialogue with the EU countries, with the support of which Armenia will be able to strengthen its security cooperation. Well, he also kind of noted that it's not only this cooperation and directed at strengthening security, but also diversifying uh, economic options for Armenia. So that was an interesting Mm -hmm. point he made. Well, on November 6th, Russia's defense ministry issued a statement noting that Russian peacekeepers have moved weapons from Nagorno-Karabakh to the Russian Federation for repair. The statement read, the rotation of the personnel of the peacekeeping contingent, as well as the transportation of weapons and military equipment to Russia uh, for scheduled repairs, has been completed just, yeah, and this is let's again have a conversation let's this. have a conversation <laughs> because according to the agreement these weapons were supposed to be destroyed disposed of uh-huh. by the russians this was in the statement that w- whatever tax that was made available publicly between this is after azerbaijan's attack on artsakh yeah they were supposed to hand the weapons artsakh defense army weapons in the russians were supposed to the uh, and now the russia is publicly announcing that, yeah, we've taken them home to repair them. Well, maybe they're going to send them back to Armenia. Oh, yes, that's uh, like highly possible. <laughs> Sorry. According to the Russian Defense Ministry, one observation post was closed in the Shushi region as part of the optimization of the of their control system. In total, 10 permanent and 16 temporary observation points have been closed since September 19. Okay, so these are Russian peacekeeping mission Packing posts. up one by one. Right. Well, Marie, can we go back to, sure, to the go weapons? For it. No one objected. Not the Armenian government, not Azerbaijan, not the international community. Russia just, like, took these weapons. Right. And there has not been any official saying, hey, you're, this isn't, you're breaking the rules. This is not what we agreed on. John, everything, all the rules are being broken at the moment. Speaking of Russia and Maria Zakharova, the next one is yours. Well, <laughs> yesterday, Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova said that Russia will send 40 tons of humanitarian aid to Armenia for the forcibly displaced people of nagorno karabakh They take all the uh, weaponry weapons. and 50 And they don't protect, for, yeah, which 50, was in their mandate. 40 tons of humanitarian aid. In return for. So we'll continue with Russia. Yesterday, uh, Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, stated that Western countries are actively courting Armenia against Moscow. He said Armenia, as a CSTO member and as our close ally, strategic partner, should decide how to build relations with foreign partners. <laughs> he added that uh, that I'm sorry, we shouldn't be laughing, no, but I mean it's, it's 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 comical. He added that Moscow does not have any prejudice regarding the circle of Armenia's foreign partners. And you know, just as a side note, uh, we. We published October's security briefing on Friday. It was about the Western pivot and how it's really misunderstood in some circles in Armenia. It's it's not about 
it's not ideational or geopolitical that Armenia is pivoting to the West. It's simply because Russia, as Armenia's uh, strategic partner, as the so-called guarantor of its security, abdicated or refused to fulfill its responsibilities. Um, and then to tell Armenia how to diversify, how to protect itself, how to secure its borders, how to build up defense capabilities is a little rich coming from uh, Sergei Lavrov okay. at this They're point. They're allowing us to have other friends as well. <laughs> well, today, Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs of Russia, Mikhail Galdujin, said Moscow is willing to organize a meeting of foreign affairs ministers of Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan, but there is no clear date yet. Okay, well, on Thursday, Russia's foreign ministry spokesperson, again, Zakharova, reiterated that Russia should monitor any future transport route linking Azerbaijan with Nakhichevan, insisting that this matter has been enshrined in the document signed by the leaders of Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia. The next day, Ani Badalin, Armenia's foreign ministry spokesperson, responded to Zaharova's comment, uh, stating that Armenia's government published just recently the project of Crossroads of Peace, the basic principles of which make it clear that in case of opening of regional communications, the Republic of Armenia shall carry out the border and customs control in its territory through its state institutions. Badalian went on to say that Armenia recently established a special department in its National Security Service, which will carry out these duties, adding that Armenia, quote, has never in any document agreed to any limitation of its sovereignty and control of a third country cannot be established over any part of its sovereign territory. So now Russia wants a corridor, not Azerbaijan. On November 8, Armenia Security Council Secretary Armen Grigorian received U.S. Senior Advisor for Caucasus Negotiations Louis Bono. The sides discussed matters of regional peace and stability as well as the normalization process between Azerbaijan and Armenia. As a reminder, Bono was last in the region at the beginning of October when he visited both Baku and Yerevan. On November 9, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff submitted a resolution to the House of Representatives demanding that Baku immediately release Armenian POWs, captured civilians, and political prisoners, including Artsakh government officials who were illegally detained during the ethnic cleansing uh, of Artsakh last month. The resolution specifically calls on the Biden administration to impose sanctions on Azerbaijani government officials responsible for the illegal detention and torture of Armenian prisoners of war. It also reiterated the call to limit the use of military and security assistance to Azerbaijan. Lieutenant General Edward Asurian, the chief of the general staff of uh, Armenia's armed forces, visited the headquarters of the U.S. European Command in Germany. This was on between November 1 and 3rd, but this was only reported on the 6th, and this was at the invitation of the U.S.-European Command. Within the framework of the visit, Asarian met with the deputy commander of the U.S.-European Command, Lieutenant General Stefan Basham. During the meeting, Asarian briefed Basham on the reforms that are taking place in the Armenian Armed Forces, underlining Armenia's expectations for U.S. support. Basham expressed America's willingness to continue supporting current cooperation programs uh, in the following areas. Professionalization of Armenia's armed forces, professional sergeant staff strengthening, modernization of the management system, peacekeeping, military medicine, military education, combat readiness, training, etc. Issues related to regional security were also discussed. And according to a Delhi-based news outlet, Armenia will buy $41 million worth of anti-drone military equipment from India. The Armenian side has not responded to this news. And as a reminder, Armenia and India deepened their 
deepened their bilateral relations and defense cooperation since the 44-day war, ever since Armenia has made several arms purchases from the country. And we're mentioning this because every time it's usually uh, an Indian news outlet mm-hmm. that reports about the new not purchase, the not the Armenian side. And then months later, we confirm. Well, on November 9, Armenia's defense minister, Suren Babikian, received uh, the delegation led by the chief of the armed forces of Italy, Admiral Giuseppe Cavo Dragone. Several issues related to Armenian-Italian defense cooperation and regional security were discussed during that meeting. And on November 6, Levon Kocharian, the son of Armenia's second president, Robert Kocharian, received a parliamentary mandate and was released from the Nubarashem prison. Kocharian was detained during an opposition rally in Yerevan on September 22 and later charged with assaulting a police officer, although he claimed that he was beaten. Uh, three people on the opposition... Ar- so this is how it happened, Maria. <laughs> three people on the opposition Armenia alliance electoral list uh, that were up next to become uh, to receive a mandate in parliament had to basically refuse mm-hmm. their mandate or uh, not take it so that it's levon kocharian automatically uh, becomes l- member of parliament yeah Q, let's say, to become. And mm-hmm. he was pretty down on the list mm-hmm. because so many quits, right. others came, and he was on the list. So now this gives him yeah. a parliamentary immunity, which means he was released from prison and uh, he now has parliamentary immunity. Of course, people ask, is like a friend asked recently, like, they can strip him of his parliamentary they immunity. Could, yes. But it's a whole process. However, uh, this is the kind of uh, local politics we're, we're dealing with right now. <laughs> And finally, the Armenian government has approved an additional financial support program for the forcibly displaced people of Artsakh. The decision was approved at the November 9 cabinet meeting. Refugees from Artsakh will receive an additional 50,000 Armenian dirhams. This is for November and December. Uh, however, those who are now who are being housed in hotels or guest homes uh, or who are currently abroad or those who have more than do, 2 million dirhams in savings in their bank accounts will not be eligible for the program. So it's a tough situation at the moment still, and we'll be reporting about it and writing more stories about the displaced in the coming weeks. Uh, and that's the kind of week it's been here. Really, compared to previous weeks and months, kind of a slow week, if that's possible to say. But yeah, so have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we'll be back again next week.